Have you ever been driving past a sign that you've seen a million times and you notice something that you haven't ever noticed before? I remember driving to St. Cloud once as a teenager and I was on Highway 212 and there's an exit that I'd passed for probably about 20 years and no, I wasn't that old, 16 years. And it went to Wilmer, Wilmer, Minnesota. And I looked at it and I said to my parent, has Wilmer always had two L's? And my parents were like, yeah, they haven't just changed how they spelled their city name. But it was the first time I had noticed it. Have you have had this happen? Brian just asked you if you noticed the bus. If you didn't notice the bus, that might be problematic because it's literally, you know, a bus. <laughs> but perhaps some of you didn't because you were distracted or something else was happening. Uh, this also happened recently. I looked up in my bathroom and very high up on a wall, a child had stuck their name sticker from youth group up there. And I thought to myself, how long has that been there? Well, as I was thinking about missing the obvious, I went to the Google, which is what any good pastor does as they're preparing a sermon, and I literally typed in, when we miss the obvious. And what popped up is something that I can't show you because it's copyrighted and we'd get shut down on our live stream, but it's a video that we may have seen. Those of you who are younger, I'm interested if you've seen this video. It's called The Gorilla Project. In this exercise, people are asked to watch a short video. There are people in white t-shirts and there are people in black t-shirts and they are passing a basketball. As you watch the video, you are asked to silently in your mind count the number of passes made by the people in the black shirts or the white shirts. You're supposed to kind of keep a tally. And at some point, as you watch the video, someone in a gorilla costume is walking through the group. It's very obvious. The gorilla faces the camera, thumps its chest, and then leaves spending nine seconds of the video. Everyone has the intuition that if they are asked the question, if I were to show the video right now, would you see the gorilla? Everybody says, of course, I'm going to see the gorilla. And in fact, psychologists, when they did this experiment 20 years ago now at Harvard, anybody else feel old when I say that? Half of the people who actually watch the video miss the gorilla. 50% do not see the costume coming through. So it says this, the experiment reveals two things. We are missing a lot of what's going on around us. And secondly, we have no idea that we're missing so much. To our surprise, the study says, this has become one of the best known experiences in psychology. I'm sorry, experiments. It's described in most introductory textbooks. If anyone's in psychology, you could nod and say yes, okay. It's used to describe uh, in, I'm sorry, it's in a dozen science museums. Have you ever been to like a children's museum or a science museum and they actually have this? It's, and this is a quote from the Harvard study, okay. It has been used by everyone from preachers and teachers to corporate trainers and terrorist hunters not to mention characters on the TV show, CSI, to explain what we see and what we don't see. Does this resonate in you? We miss things, and we have no idea <laughs> that we're missing things. Now, me missing the two L's in the name of Wilmer or the sticker in my bathroom, not a big deal. But what about the really important things that I'm missing that we are missing? This Easter season, 
it might be easy to miss the obvious. <sighs> it's been a long winter. And yes, we got some inches of snow. My mother had nine, and I believe someone up north on social said they got 19 yesterday. It was truly an April Fool's, was it not? <laughs> or perhaps you've just been busy and you're thinking this morning, is it Palm Sunday already? Is it really April? But this is the celebration of Jesus, the creator of the world, dying on the cross for us, for all of us, for all of us broken people who miss the obvious and don't even know what all we're missing. Not only did Jesus die, but he didn't stay dead. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss that. This year, any year. So how can we make sure that we're not missing the obvious, that we're not going to miss Jesus this year? We are finishing our Acts study this week, and I have to tell you, we have a small group that meets at Wednesday nights at Howard Drive. It's a blended family, so there are people from Howard Drive and people from Rosa Parks, some people who have never met before, some people who I didn't realize knew each other years before. They were neighbors. They kind of had this reunion. It was very sweet. And we have had a blast to the point where my face hurts afterwards because we laugh so hard. And I'm sort of sad that it's over. I wish Acts were longer, even though it is 28 chapters. That feels like maybe it should be long enough. But we are finishing our Acts study today. We've been following the work of the Holy Spirit in the early church. We recently have been studying Paul, who is the most amazing church planter, role model, and really it's sort of a travel itinerary at the end of Acts where they're going a lot of places. Well, Paul has been arrested in Jerusalem for sharing the gospel. He is then taken to Rome to be tried there because he is a Roman citizen. He is under house arrest, which means that he has a guard with him, but he does experience some freedoms. It's a very different perspective than we have about someone who's like arrested and gone to prison. This is like he's sort of out in the world, but he doesn't, he doesn't have complete freedom, but people can come see him. He's been already meeting with religious leaders, and the religious leaders want to know more about Paul and this like religious sect that Paul is a part of. So we're going to be in the last chapter, 28, and we're going to start at verse 23. They arra arranged, verse 23, oh, yes, sorry. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. I don't know how big his place was. Maybe they were outside in the garden. I'm not sure, but it's a large group. Paul explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the book of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. So Paul says this. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot hear and their ears, I'm sorry, their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So Paul's hosting this large group. They believe in God. They're religious. They're Jewish. 
He's telling them about the kingdom of God, and he goes to the Old Testament, similarly to what we have, but they were scrolls kind of individually, and he goes to the Old Testament and shows them where there are verses, prophecies about Jesus. So he goes to things that they agree on as Jews. This is worthy documentation. These are things we agree on. And I think it's interesting that Paul, it just says he used the law, of the, the, the law of Moses and the prophets. It doesn't tell us what verses. So I googled, again, and tried to figure out what maybe are some of the passages that Paul taught through. So I picked five. So the first one is Genesis 4.10. Jesus' lineage, which we can see in Matthew 1, it talks about his family connections. And in Genesis... It's foretold that the Messiah would come from one family line. It would be someone who would rule Judah and Israel forever. Not four years, not eight years, not a lifetime, but forever. Secondly, it says that the Messiah would at one time be in Egypt in Hosea 11.1. We know that when Jesus was young, Joseph receives a vision God tells Joseph to take his family because if they don't, they're going to die. And where do they go? They go to Egypt. They're refugees, frankly. Thirdly, in Isaiah 8.14, it says the Messiah would be controversial. People would be divided about what they believed about this person. Zechariah 9.9, which is why we celebrate today Palm Sunday, It says that the Messiah, the king, would enter one day on a donkey, humble. And that is why people make Palm Sunday such a big deal. It didn't make sense to them, perhaps, at the time, but once Jesus was walking in on the donkey, ding, 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 something went off in their minds. Lastly, in Psalm 22, 16, it says that the Messiah would have hands and feet pierced which we now know is Jesus on the cross. So like I said, I don't know that those are some of the passages that Paul pointed to, but they could have been. Some of the many that are in the Old Testament. And not just from one or two, if you notice, I picked different books of the Bible. It's not like Isaiah was all about Jesus, even though it's a lot about Jesus, or Justin Zechariah. It's all over the place in the scriptures. I could have picked stuff in Daniel. I could have picked more passages, but these are the ones that I thought were the most interesting or perhaps the most obvious for us. So as I was thinking about this, and I talked to Brian about this because he's taking an Old Testament class right now, I'm thinking about a Jew 2,000 years ago and how they view the scriptures. And it's different than how we have friends that look at the Bible today. I don't know about you, but I don't meet a ton of people that if I start quoting scripture to them, they're like, oh, I better listen to you. Instead, people are very skeptical about the Bible, unless they're raised or they have chosen to put their faith in what it says to be true, right? This is not this group of people. This group of people understands that this is an important text. The problem is they disputed that Jesus was the one fulfilling the prophecies, They did not believe Jesus when Jesus claimed to have authority. There weren't other people that were saying, enough people in their minds were the right kind of people, who were pointing to Jesus. They thought that the Messiah would be revealed to the entire nation, that it would be clear. And they also expected the Messiah would come and there would be 
some head cracking. The oppression would cease. There might be a war of some sort. They thought that Rome would be taken care of. So Jesus did not bring political peace or governmental power. So they denied Jesus. Yeah, help me, Lord. Many of the learned, educated, religious people who memorized, knew, owned these scrolls in their own home, missed Jesus as the Messiah. This was their whole life. This was God is at the center of what they do, what they eat, how they live, how they clean their home, their calendar. In fact, having Sabbath was one of the key ways Jews in Rome set themselves apart from people who did not believe in God. The Sabbath was ultimately important to them. How did they miss Jesus? Don't you ever sometimes read the scriptures or come to church and think, oh, if I just had been alive, if I could have seen Jesus, if I could have been healed? Well, they had that opportunity, and they still missed it. I think three things can be true at the same time. People can have incredible power, Jesus, and God can use them, prophets, Moses, pastors, teachers, little children, to speak, and people can listen because of that speaker. They're drawn to them. They have a connection with them. Paul is obviously one of these people. God can use people. Secondly, God is part of the process. God changes our hearts. God also judges. Lastly, the people receiving the message can choose to reject it. I can choose whether to believe you or not. We as a people can be obstinate and refuse God and God's law. This was true back in Isaiah's day. This section that Paul says, you will be ever hearing and never understanding, ever seeing and never perceiving. That's a quote from Isaiah. Paul uses it during the early days of the church. Jesus used it in the book of Matthew. And I think we could read that today and say, oh yeah, people see, but they don't get it. People hear, but they don't hear it. Perhaps we can even see it in ourselves. I, who am a pastor, can sometimes miss God. Even if I'm on my knees praying that the Lord would reveal, I can miss it. Not like I'm so much better than anyone else, and yet, it's sort of my job to not miss Jesus. It isn't uncommon for people, remember the basketball video, to miss the obvious. If you did miss the bus today, would you tell me afterwards? Because I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> God is the creator of the universe, and people miss God. The Holy Spirit is alive and active, and we can miss it, can't we? And yet... There is good news. Let's finish the book of Acts. Paul says, I'm sorry, Acts says, oh, I missed a verse from the previous, didn't I, Kathy? Can you go back to that so I want you to know? So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, 
boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. And that is how the book of Acts ends. Luke liked the dramatic, I believe. So what happened to Paul? Well, he died eventually, right? Because nobody lives forever. But we know from other historical texts that Paul did eventually die because of sharing the gospel. He taught in Rome likely as long as he could. Perhaps his accusers from Jerusalem eventually showed up and he did have a trial. What matters is that until he died, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom is also something that we can easily miss. Jesus talks about it, and the New Testament is filled. Again, go to the Google and search the kingdom of God in the Bible. John the Baptist, before Jesus came in, John talked about the kingdom. John was arrested. Jesus came into Galilee, and he proclaimed the gospel of God, and Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1. Jesus describes the kingdom like this. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not have been delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. John 18, 36. Luke 17, 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. Well, crap. How do we not miss it then? I wish that weren't in there because it would help with my message a little bit more. Verse 21, you won't be able to say, here it is, or, oh, it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. And then in Mark 10, Jesus is talking, and the children want to come. And they're angry. The disciples, I'm sorry, Jesus is angry with the disciples because they're keeping the kids away. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Okay, it's making a little bit more sense. Then later on in verse 24, they're talking about rich people, and Jesus says how hard it is to enter the, the kingdom of God. Oh, super. So it is hard. This isn't going to be easy. Jesus says, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle image of that, okay? I just was watching a show and they were riding camels. They're enormous. Through a needle. It's easier for that to happen than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, all of us in the United States, depending on our status, we are a fairly wealthy nation, or if we drove here, that's us. Crap. Again, verse 26. Here's the good news. The disciples, however, are astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? Anyone else feeling like this? How can I not miss Jesus? I'm going to miss the gorilla. I'm going to miss the whole thing, Sandy. How can we be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Everything is possible with God. You will not see the kingdom of God on your own. You will not experience Easter on your own, with your own strength, with your own ideas. Frankly, going to Target and walking through the dollar section and seeing how they will teach you how to celebrate Easter. The world is not going to teach you how to do this. 
and you're not going to figure it out on your own. Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you, and I don't think that that was just back then. I think it is true. The kingdom of God is here. To be honest, I don't always see the kingdom of God. What I do see are school shootings, death by suicide, automatic rifles. I can barely drive Callista to school for seven minutes without complaining about the driver in front of me, the condition of the roads, or something else. The Jews also did not see the kingdom arriving. Even though Jesus was performing miracles, bringing people back from the dead, feeding hungry people, because the Romans were still in control. They hadn't gotten first place yet. Israel was still oppressed. Revenge was still, un they had not gotten their revenge yet. Jesus had power, but it wasn't what they expected or perhaps what they wanted. They missed Jesus being the Messiah, and he was right there. We look for signs, don't we? There are books, sections of Christian bookstores, websites, teachers that base their entire careers on teaching you how to look for Jesus' return. We sometimes think, okay, well, if our politician wins, that must be a sign that God is at work. Or my prayers are getting yeses. Or, my children are thriving. That is God at work. Jesus was about to die on the cross. People who had followed him thought it was the worst day they could ever imagine. And yet, that is how the kingdom of God was coming. Jesus told us that the kingdom is not about servants fighting. Instead, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. This is why Jesus came on Palm Sunday on a donkey instead of a wonderful carriage, maybe like an elephant, like in Aladdin. I can't help it, but every Palm Sunday I think about Aladdin. <laughs> Prince Ali, what a fabulous he, Ali Ababwa. Do you know this scene? He's got... Elephants galore, the trumpets. Do you know this scene in Aladdin? There's this amazing song. I really should have had the lyrics written. That's what you imagine when you think Jesus, the creator of the world, is coming. That is what they wanted. They wanted the pomp and circumstance. They wanted the big feather on his head. They wanted gold. They wanted power. They wanted to win. They wanted it to be a prince. And Jesus comes humble on a donkey with branches, people took off trees around them, their own cloaks underneath him. That is who Jesus is. And because he is like that, sometimes we miss him. I don't want to miss him this Easter. I really don't. And I was praying about it as I'm prepping this sermon. I have to tell you what happened. My friend Rebecca, our best friends on the planet up in Duluth, somehow got us a care package. There's a long story. I'm not going to go into it. And in the package was a Ziploc. And there were two crumpled up balls of what looks like a dead plant. And it said on the Ziploc, 
these are resurrection plants, one for you and one for a friend. And I was like, okay, it must be something I need to plant once the snow melts. So I put it aside, because <laughs> I didn't think I'd need it for a while. Well, yesterday we were cleaning up the house, and I looked at it, and I, there were instructions, because Rebecca is so kind, she printed off the instructions. So I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting, you just put it in water. This thing can stay dormant for seven years. Google it when you get home. It's all about the Google. Google is not getting paid by my advertisements today. You put it in water, and after a while, it opens up and it comes back to life. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, this is amazing. So I brought it to my friend Jenny. Last night, Jenny and I are reading it, and we're both like, this is amazing. And we kind of had some funny jokes about gardening. That's for you, Jenny, because you'll listen to this later on a podcast. So I put it in water, and I have pictures, it's turning green on the inside. And when it finally opens, check your social, I'll put a picture of it. Eventually it opens up and it looks like an evergreen. So I'm saying to Jesus, I don't wanna miss you. There's something in here about being like children because Palm Parade, Jesus says you have to be like a child to receive the kingdom of God. And I'm asking the Lord, what is the connection there? And for me at least, it's the awe and wonder of this crumpled pile of something that my friend gave me that all you got to do is put it in some water and it comes back to life. And I am delighted with this plant. It even smells good. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but I pray that somehow you can pick up your palm branch, everybody, and walk around the room with the littles. Did you see the littles? Somebody was clapping. The children are laughing. Some of them don't love doing it, that's okay. It really is okay. We need help. I want us to be the opposite of the warning in Isaiah. I want us to keep seeing and hearing and praying that we understand. Trusting God's goodness when we don't. I want our hearts to be soft, like kiddos at bedtime when they're giving you a hug, good night. That our eyes would be open and our ears missing nothing, just like children sometimes, they don't miss anything. You know, they're sitting in the back seat and they see everything and they have a thousand questions and you kind of wish that they would just be quiet, but they're not missing a thing. And then God says that we can turn and be healed. That is the good news. So today, if you're going a direction that you don't like or you know God doesn't, all you have to do is turn, change, get a resurrection plant and put it on your countertop and be amazed at the life that God offers. I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. If you have children, bring in the kiddos. Bring in the life of the party, and I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, you offer us your forgiveness, and you love us. Lord Jesus, I don't wanna miss you. I don't wanna miss you this Easter. I don't want us to miss you. I don't want our friends to miss you. God, would you help us, whether it's going out right now and getting food for the food shelf, because that's what we need to do, Lord. Or if it's inviting that neighbor that, frankly, we don't love that much, but we're not sure where they're going to be for Easter. Or someone that we know might be alone on Easter, God, would you help us to see and to hear and not miss the kingdom which is among us? Jesus, you came in on a donkey, humble on a donkey, Zechariah tells us. Jesus, we want you to enter in to our lives, to our families. 
We need you. We need your help so that we can see and understand. Amen.